This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to another episode of the Grit for 60 podcast, Broadway edition. Uh, tonight, I'm your host tonight for, uh, my name is Brendan Farrell. Uh, usually I'm joined by my brother, Connor, also on STC, uh, but he's taking a, taking a break for tonight. So instead, uh, I am joined by uh, Brian Bastin from On the Forecheck. Uh, Brian, introduce yourself. Hey, uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Um, like you said, I'm Brian Bass, and I work for uh, right for On the Floor Check, uh, the Nashville uh, Predators SB Nation site. Um, on came on board this summer as an analytics contributor. Still kind of cutting my teeth in this, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm real glad to be here. Yeah, I, I think this is basically evidence that we've lost total control over this podcast, considering that this is a Winnipeg Jets podcast being hosted by a University of Florida student who has invited uh, a Vols fan on here. Yeah, that, I, I did see that. When you asked and I saw that you were in Gainesville, I did hesitate quite a bit. Yeah, so um, fortunately, we won't be talking about the state of our football and basketball teams. Instead, just the state of the hockey teams. Yeah, so, it's, it's a lot of the same kind of conversation for me, so let's slide right in. Yeah, so uh, that being said, the Jets get another big divisional win tonight as they take it 2-1 to one against the Preds. Uh, Brian, as, as a Preds fan, what are your initial thoughts? Well, um, so I think in the last eight games, they've gone 1-5-2, and two. Um, two of those being the embarrassing losses that you saw against Colorado, um, and I cannot remember off the top of my head. I think I've already erased it out of my, out of my brain. Um, I think it, was, it, was it the San Jose game that was right after that? Uh, the San Jose game was the, was the one went to shootout. That was not, not, not so bad. Um, I'd have to come up a look. can't believe I've already forgotten. But, um, yeah, it's, it's – let me take a look. It was – oh, even it was Chicago was bad. It was Chicago that was a blowout. Oh, Vancouver. That, that too, yeah. It's getting hard to keep track of all these bad losses, but um, yeah, it's it's been quite a slide. And I'm going to be honest that it's I felt bad kind of harping on it at the beginning of the season after their good start, but they were we've got a team shooting percentage at five on five, about eleven point five, eleven point six, and so I knew a lot of it was going to come crashing down pretty quickly. Um, didn't think it to be to this extent, but uh, yeah, they've come back to earth and they come back to earth pretty hard. Hey, you were talking about uh, shooting percentages, but the Jets are only shooting 7.12 at five on five. So, you know. Um, so I, I saw that uh, UC Soros got the start tonight. Um, and I see that you believe that the Preds play differently when Soros is in the net. Would you like to explain? 
Yeah, and so this has been something that people have kind of we in Nashville have, have discussed for a few seasons now. I think that and it kind of it's all been a little, um, you know, just kind of saying like, yeah, this feels like they're not, they're not doing as well and not performing as well. And part of that could probably be attributed in past seasons to, uh, you know, Sorrows getting having long uh, long breaks between starts or only really getting to see the second half of back to backs. But this season, um, he's been getting a few more starts than usual i think the balance is slowly starting to become a little bit more equal as we approach Renee's last uh, couple years of his contract and we haven't had any back-to-backs this season and but you go look and one of the places that, that you can see it and it's most evident is uh on hockey viz uh run by uh michael blake mccurdy uh and there's a difference in defensive scoring threat uh with Renee on the ice the natural predators are allowing um, 16% below league average in scoring threat. But when Soros is on the ice, it's just only 2% below. So that's a 14% difference. And so just by shot volume and scoring threat alone, he's seeing quite a bit more. And I think the biggest indicator of that is uh, Rene's, you know, the, the highest uh, threat level areas are all pretty far out, 35, 40 feet, you know, near the blue line. Uh, but it's, he's pretty clean. They keep him pretty clean close to the net. Soros, he's taking a lot, a lot of hot, uh, high danger shots. And so his, uh, his start to the season, uh, three straight losses, he looked pretty bad, but he starts most seasons that way. Uh, I think the last three years, his first three games have always been bad for whatever reason. But as we saw the night, he's, he's getting better. There's not really, no, the, neither of the goals were necessarily egregious. But, you know, it, it sucks. I didn't get to see the first goal because I turned the game on, walked, turned around to do something before I knew it that line I had already scored, but um, he's not, he's giving up shots, you know, that are coming from pretty close because the team, the team's letting him get close. And so I, I, he's starting to level off a little bit. And I think that at least for him, we're seeing him on the upswing. Uh, Rene, on the other hand, um, he's starting to let in really easy shots. He's got a really good high danger save percentage. Uh, I think 83% is what I, what I um, referenced. I have a story coming out tomorrow that should go over a little bit more detail. But um, yeah, 83%. But his medium uh, save, save percentage is in the 70s, which is really, really odd. Um, that's, uh, that's some Martin Jones numbers there. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's odd because, again, like you would think, Martin Jones is kind of all around bad, but <laughs> uh, at least like, I shouldn't throw stones now because he's both uh, Rene and Saros are right there in Jones' company now. Um, but, you know, he's the team is good as far as reducing quality against expected goals. Um, they're forcing teams to take a lot of shots from further out. Um, you know, teams are getting quality, building them up, because they're, they're taking more shots, and so that, that builds up slowly. But they're forcing teams mostly to shoot from further out. The problem is, is that Rene is just not saving some of those. And... A lot of them come off of screens, things that you can't really see in the data without manually tracking, or um, we've seen a couple that have come right after a face-off. But it's just kind of an odd thing that he's, he's doing pretty much right at his career average in all areas, except for medium danger saves. So it's something to definitely watch. I think he'll, he'll be able to come out of it soon, but you know, it doesn't help that he's getting an easier assignment for the most part, um, for whatever reason, than, than Saros is. But they're both, they're both kind of down in the dumps a little bit this year. Yeah, and so that first goal, I can't really fault them for when you're going to give up a two-on-one when the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, when the shot is taken like, at like the top of the crease on a two-on-one right. like that. No chance. Um, and it's Lionel. It's Lionel. Yeah. He's a on the shot. 
yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, that's not that's not going to be a good time. But to me, the Ellers goal, like it, like it's a very nice shot. It was a nice build up, nice play, something that the Jets haven't really had this year. But at mm-hmm. the same time, from that distance, and it's not like it was a, a cross ice or a Royal Road pass. It was generally in the same area that Saros was facing. And to me, just the sheer distance from the shot to the goal, to me, that's what, mm-hmm. if, I, if I were a Preds fan, it would kind of bother me, like, okay, that's probably one you want to have back. And considering the, the lack of quality chances that Winnipeg had in this game, um, mm-hmm. you really, you really want that save back. Uh, and, that's, and that's true. I mean, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think uh, natural stature has them right at, uh, at five on five, right at one expected goal, which, you know, I could, you could say, yeah, they, he probably gave up. He you know couldn't do anything about the first one, but probably should have saved the second, but a performance like this with a team that early in the season was averaging four goals a game, that should be enough to get you a win. Um, and that's kind of where, the whole offensive flatlining kind of comes into it that you should be able to, a goalie should be able to have a game like tonight, like Soros did. And that should be enough, especially for a team that gave up a big piece on defense, the bolster of the offense. Yeah. And you, you're talking about the offensive performance and honestly, like tonight, if you wanted offense, you were better off looking at a different game. Um, there were right. plenty, of, there were plenty of games on tonight. Should have been watching those instead of this one. Um, yes. I mean, I'm just looking at natural statue right now. These two teams had eight high danger chances combined. Mm-hmm. That's kind of rare for this, for this series, for this, this rivalry. Uh, if you guys consider it that <laughs> it's kind of rare because again, I think this, I think I heard on our broadcast that I think eight out of the last 12 games between the teams, the winner has had five goals or more. So. Yeah. And to me, it's almost sort of like a, kind of a reflection of like where these two teams have been since they met in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, cause the jets, despite what the standings may say to me, the jets are a mess. They mm-hmm. depend too much on Connor Hallibuck. They have a pretty loaded top six, but the supporting cast around them, specifically the defensemen are just so bad that they give <laughs> a lot of quality against and they struggle with creating good chances, mostly because you have defensemen like Lucas Pisa or Carl Dahlstrom or um, Dmitry Kulikov, just guys who right. are just total black holes offensively that it's difficult to get Mark Scheifele and Patrick Line and Kyle Connor going. You know, right. and sometimes it takes nights like tonight where Nikolai Ellers just has to be all over the place in order to make something happen. And he was, he really was all over the place. Um, to say, well, he got six attempts, four on goal. Uh, and actually none of them are high danger, which is kind of surprising to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you can see that the, the defenders really played just purely a defensive game. There didn't seem to be much offense coming from anybody uh, on, on your blue line, which, you know, I guess I'm, expe- I'm, I'm used to seeing the days with, with Truba and, and um, you know, at least having more of an impact, I think. But, you know, I also think some of the statistics tonight are, are a little bit unbalanced just because of Nashville playing from behind for the, for the majority of time. Yeah, I mean, when you go down, like, 20 seconds into the game, there are mm-hmm. clearly going to be some score effects involved. But then again, it's only a one-goal deficit 20 seconds into the game. So, yeah, and, and this is 
this has been Nashville's game, whether they've been trailing or not. And they do, they've, this is what's gotten them into, into trouble is, I think here, uh, I was very surprised to see that, again, Nashville's hat trick, five on five, 65, Corsi. I mean, 65 chances. And of those, 13 were blocked. And then 19 of those missed the net. So they almost had, out of the 65 shots, they had almost exactly half of their shots actually get on the net. Um, and it's because they're taking those low percentage shots. It's when you've got these guys like uh, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, who are these dynamic offensive defenders, um, you know, you have them take these shots from the point. And when they had PK Subban, it was the same story. But the, the idea, I guess, is that you want to create rebounds and get them in closer, but that's just not happening. Um, yeah, and, and I yeah, sort of yeah. get that with these more these teams that are more aligned or they have better defensive cores than they do forwards. Like a team like San Jose, I get why they base a lot of their offense around the point. Right. But in this game, if if you enjoy point shots, like this was your game to watch. I mean, this was just yeah. these two teams just deciding, hey, you know what? This the, the Nets. I can see like kind of a window here to shoot from. Why not? Let's go for it. <laughs> That's right. You know, and you can see why these two teams struggle to create offense. And to me, yeah. this, this it's is really a far cry from two years ago. Yeah, and this is something I wanted to ask about. I thought that would be something that Nashville would be better at now that they have Matt Duchesne. Like, they swapped P.K. Subban for Matt Duchesne. So I figure you get fewer point shots and you might generate – well, you might have fewer shot attempts. You might generate more towards the mouth of the goal. Yeah, and and most of the time – so any of the lines that Duchesne has been on, early in the season, um, they broke up the Johansson, Forsberg, and Arveston line. Um, much to my dismay, and but it worked. It worked really well at the beginning of the year to have uh, Forsberg down with Granlund and Duchesne, um, and they, they produced really well tonight. Even um, they were the best performing forward line, uh, you know, out of out of the uh, three as far as just you know they had 19 shot shot attempts on. They had um, their 66 percent Corsi uh, Corsi share, 76 percent for expected goals, and they started all their all their faceoffs in the offensive zone. Uh, Duchesne is is adding quite a bit to it, um, but I think now that it right now they they're they've pushed Forsberg back with Johansson and Arvidsson to kind of get them started, um, and Cal Yarncrook, who's who's fine. Um, Nashville fans kind of give him a bad rap because he was the guy they protected over over James Neal a few years ago, but uh, and he's fine, but it's it's not quite working. And so I, I one I expect that Forsberg line to go back, but I mean acquiring Duchesne, giving up PK Subban for for basically nothing. Um, was supposed to make it so there wasn't just a single line scoring team uh, like like we like Nashville has been in the past, but they're kind of back to that. Unfortunately, though, it's not either of those top two lines. It's been Nick Bonino and Rocco Grimaldi and Craig Smith who's been been doing all the scoring. Which uh, to have Nick Bonino, you know, leading the team in goals for most of the season so far until Forsberg came back from injuries is a little concerning, seeing as he's shooting something absurd like twenty twenty one percent. Yeah, and so uh, to me, this game kind of reflected just um, just general trends from both teams. Like what you said, the Preds have been trending mm-hmm. trending downward, and I sort of call this lazy analysis because I feel like I say the same thing about the Jets every game. Is <laughs> you know they sort of luck their way into an early lead, um, and then you know they kind of just pray that Hellebuck makes some key saves down the stretch. Um, and usually they don't get completely bodied on the shot attempts counter like they did tonight. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but usually it's, it's about like 45, 50% for the Jets at quarter C4 percentage. And then they just get totally destroyed in terms of quality. But it's okay because they have Connor Hellbuck, who's like the league's best goalie at five on five this year. But yeah, that's right. You know, and, and to me, I, I, get, I do get kind of frustrated because I feel like I say the same thing about this team night in, night out, or week in, week out. So it makes me feel better that you sort of feel like you're repeating the same things over and over again about the Predators. Yeah, and it's, it's I mean, it's, we're, at the 20, we're at the magic 20-game mark now, and so now we can start to say that, yeah, these stats are representative of what the team is like. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's about the same thing, and I think the difference is, is that you know, like you said, you're, you're, it's funny to me that you're, you're talking about how the Jets have been a mess and how, you know, games like tonight, you know, you don't expect them to get so many shots, you know, against. But, you know, to me, this is, again, this has been a carbon copy of, of I'd say, probably half of the last uh, of the games in the last in the last few weeks just because it's exactly the same thing. They get tons of shots. Looking at the metrics, if you look at it analytically, half more of these should be wins. I mean, the majority of them should be. They're getting quality too but it's just not happening and you know Philip Forsberg and and unfortunately Nick Camino can't communicate can't carry this team all by themselves you know all season so um it'll be interesting to see what I think the real difference is is that Winnipeg's getting a lot better goaltending right now and so you know Nashville is plummeting down the central and and Winnipeg I think how where where they stand right now there yeah I was gonna say I'm looking at the standings right now the Jets currently sitting third uh, oh, yeah. behind the Avalanche and the Blues, who the Blues, I, I still can't believe, are leading that division considering that they rarely win in regulation. But you could say the same thing about the Jets, too, because, yeah, right. you know, there's one thing that, like, learning more about advanced stats has taught me is that hockey hates you. You feel like you yeah. can have oh, a yeah. great grasp of the game, how your team is doing, but at the end of the day, hockey hates you, and unfortunately – Games aren't played on spreadsheets, and it's very frustrating. No, they're not. But um, you kind of mentioned this, you know, the 20-game mark where you see a lot of trends sort of fall into place, and usually that's what you're going to expect from this team moving forward. And it's interesting to me to watch these two teams play tonight, and all of a sudden the Jets are six points ahead of the Predators. Now they do have two games in hand. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's 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 just mind-boggling watching those two teams play. And one feels like, you know, it's about time to jump off the ship. Meanwhile, the other one is sitting in a decent playoff spot right now. <laughs> right. And that's how it seemed for most of last year, too, when these two teams would play. I, you know, Winnipeg surprised me last year with, with how they dipped. And, uh, but, yeah, it seemed like every time, it's, I think the team that had the better record was still kind of like, I don't know about this. And, the other was like, yeah, this is all, this season's over. Uh, it's, you're right, hockey does hate you. <laughs> and to me, the, the biggest and probably the only, like, pleasant surprise for the Jets this year has been the play of Connor Halibut. They're not in this mm-hmm. position where they are right now, even if they do get, like, league average goaltending. Like, you know, if we're talking about, like, like a, uh, I'm struggling to think of, like, a league average goaltender but uh, Freddie Anderson's at a goal, or he's his uh, goal saved above average is 1.03. So we'll go with that. Yeah, that's you know that's, that sort of performance with the way the Jets play. We're not talking about them in the playoff conversation, right? And, and you're, you're, you're right, right on. I mean, it's 
And it's funny how you see certain teams really live and die by that. I mean, again, you look at two, two three years ago with, with the Vesna and the three Vesna finest, Renee, Hellebuck, and, and Vasilevsky. And you see Vasilevsky just plummeting, just having an awful year this year. Um, it really does. A lot of these teams, it's goalies are voodoo. You don't know, you never know when they're going to be up or down. And they can, a lot of teams, they'll carry a team in. It's just like Bennington got hot right at the right time last year. And so, um, yeah, hopefully that's keeps it up for you guys. I mean, not for me personally, but hopefully for you. You mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you, I, think I, I think you mean Connor Hallibuck there, but, but yeah, think, sorry yeah. about that. No, you're good. You're good. Um, and it's just, I mean, Hellebuck's already played 17 games. I don't know how – I mean, it's November. Ooh. I don't know how long they're going to be able to ride this. 17. He's playing 17 games. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. He's spaced about – let's see. This is prior to the, today's game. Yeah, 435 shots against. But he is sitting on top of the league at, what, seven and a half goals uh, saved above expected. So, you got to give it to him. I mean, he's, he's, he's facing – high. he's getting – He's getting a, a John Gibson-like workload. He's performing pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, I have, you know, my brother and I, we have preached caution about believing into this Jets team because, like I said, they struggle to create quality and prevent the other team from creating quality. And a lot of times it's just depending on Connor Hallibuck. Now, mm-hmm. um, here's something else. Well, here's another pleasant surprise, I think, um, to me that the Jets have had this season is to me, Andrew Kopp is like the most underrated player on this team. Mm-hmm. I feel like like uh, night in night out, I'll be looking at the, you know, the natural statric game page and I'll be like, all right, Mark Shifley was at a 45% tonight. Uh, Corsi for uh, Kyle Connor was like a 42 and here's Andrew Kopp with a 55 and a, you know, he's above, 50% at expected goals for. But tonight uh, wasn't a great night for his line. Arguably their worst performance this season. And uh, I'm looking at it now, and Andrew Kopp is 30.56%, Corsi 4 percentage, not great at expected goals for percentage either. Mm-hmm. And it's the sort of performance that we haven't seen that much tonight. And I didn't really see, unless you caught this, I didn't really see a a, uh, a trend of who was really playing against him. But mm-hmm. to me, that was a very good job of the Predators by shutting down the, the third line tonight. Yeah, I was I was surprised. It looks like the line, a, uh, Benino's line, was the one that you got a lot of the matchup with, with, with Connor and Shifley and line A. Um, and... I'll actually say that, but it looks like it was a little bit mixed, actually, too, between the and Forsberg and Johansson as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think they did overwall. But, like, Bonino, Bonino, as much as I have kind of – I've harped all summer about how he's – I don't know why that we – you know, Nashville signed him for as much as they did and why he's still on the team and he's an offensive black hole. And then he's performed all the season, specifically despite me, I think. Um, but he's been strong, very strong defensively. And – Last season, it was with, with Colton Sissons and, and Austin Watson. And without both of those, he still, he's, you know, he, his line now was 61% expected goals, 59% Corsi, and only started a third of his faceoffs in, in the offensive zone. So I think, I think their, LaViolette does one thing right, is he is pretty good at using his defensive lines to shut down the high scores. Um, you know, a lot of those games, and even some of the, the, bigger losses the first lines weren't the ones doing most of the damage 
it was deeper down the line. So it doesn't really quite surprise me um, that that they were able to keep, I think, yeah, all three lines that show up, at least in natural stat trick for, for Winnipeg, all under 50% for Fikorsi 4 and expected goals. Um, but, again, it looks like most of the offense came from the other two lines that, are, that were there, Wheeler and Shifley's line. So, yeah, it didn't seem to be much offense from from, from Kopp. Well, and, and the other thing is that uh, not only are the Jets going to run Hellbuck into the ground by, like, February, they're going to do the same mm-hmm. thing to their top nine because it seems like – I know that they've been dealing with injuries over the past couple of weeks, but right. when your fourth line has been playing, like, tops, like, eight minutes a night, mm-hmm. it's, it's put a lot of pressure on on the top three lines. And, you know, there, there are forwards who are playing just as much as the defensemen are. And Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, so to me, I'm just seeing a lot of unsustainable stuff from the Jets. You know, like I, you know, like there are no style points when it comes to the standings, right? Like if right. if you're playing badly and you're getting points, nobody's gonna take that away from you. Like I will take that. Right. But at some point, you have to show me that there's something other than Connor Hallebuck, or there's something other than just. Uh, opportunist goal scoring because right. there are so many other things going on on this team and just the way the sport is played that you can't depend on that sort of stuff. No, I mean, again, shooting, shooting will go down always. I mean, Nashville's in a similar position about this time last year. I think this is right about when they started, uh, I think a seven or eight game winning streak, but it was again, very un- unsustainable like you're talking about now. Um, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, at the Jets right now, I'm looking at their their um, shooting, and yeah, their shooting is Shifley shooting 17, almost 18 percent in all situations. Um, line A is actually at seven and a half, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, honestly, um, there there are some players who aren't shooting that highly, and really, it's like I said, like the Jets are pretty low when it comes to shooting percentage at five on five, and to me, I've said this before in our podcast. Uh, but since you weren't here for this, I will repeat this and that I struggle to find other than Connor Hell, like I struggle to find anything that the Jets do well. They don't shoot at a high rate. They don't, they don't uh, produce chances at a high rate. They don't prevent chances at a high rate. They don't, they're like borderline. Okay. When it comes to possession, their special teams the power plays okay, I guess. The penalty kill is kind of a mess. So other than Connor Hellbuck, I still sit here night after night, and I'm like, I don't really know what this team does well other than that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at a few uh, looking on charting hockey, Sean Tierney's site, and yeah, I mean, you're 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 dead on. I mean, offensive like you know, besides besides the goaltending, there's really not much that they do they do very well. I think they're at you know per sixty, they're Goal differential is point two, negative point two, and their uh, expected goal differential is negative point six. I mean, so that's that puts them squarely in that yeah, they're they're getting bad results and they're getting it for a reason uh, type of area. So um, it is kind of kind of surprising to see that you're you're dead on with your with your uh, analysis of that that they're just kind of there. <laughs> yeah, and to me, the frustrating thing is just. To me, the most frustrating thing is the the, the blue line. It's, it's not just a mess. To me, it's also just so poorly mismanaged in that mm-hmm. Sammy Niku is a defenseman in the AHL. 
and he's at a point per game, 12 points, 12 games. <laughs> he's played in one game at the NHL level this year. Meanwhile, yeah, I mean, meanwhile, like there are guys like Carl Dahlstrom and, and Lucas Biza. And it's like, why are you here? I mean, the Jets have played – Anthony Potato has played in 14 games, and as somebody who's seen a lot of Anthony Potato, why? Yeah. You, like, they have so many players to me who I'm like, we know these aren't good players. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, okay, I get that you need to fill in blue line spots after losing Myers and Truba and um, names are failing me, but – but then you see them do things like send Billy Hanela back to Europe or claim mm-hmm. Lucas Biza. Like that's a self-inflicted wound. Don't do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, trust me. I know about self-inflicted wounds. I mean, they just they they got a guy. I mean, they they claimed up all all day after they called up. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of his name now. Is it uh, um, is it Santini? Well, Santini's a whole other <laughs> story. He's. Uh, he's. I mean, he's bad enough that, but he was the the least of the concerns today because. But, he, man, he, but he's the he's the he's centerpiece a, of that Subban trade. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's sad. It's sad that the the prospect that we got, Jeremy Davies, who's actually really very good. I mean, he would have been a better call up. But uh, Matthew uh, Matthew Olivier, um, he's been mm-hmm. fine. But what he's been no, what he's known for in Milwaukee is getting in fights. Thirty five penalty minutes in the AHL, and they called him up. And again, maybe a year ago or so, I could see them doing that because it's the Jets and this series has gotten physical, you know, pretty often. We saw what the the, the multi multiplayer brawl, I think, early last year in the first game of the series where they had what three players each in the in the box at the beginning of the game. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. But and but then then they put in Olivier and they bench this healthy scratch Kyle Turris. And who and they've been burying Kyle Turris. I mean, he's had a he had a disappointing year last year, but he's produced all this season. It hasn't necessarily reflected on the scoreboard. He's hitting a couple goals, but he's been playing very very good hockey. And um, you know, we had people at the game post game, and they asked. They said, you know, what was the reason that you, of all the people, if you were literally looking to get size or physicality, you know, why not bench a, a Rocco Grimaldi, who's you know five seven, my height. Um, <laughs> And, but he just said, you know, Laviolette shut it down pretty quick and just said lineup decision and tried to move on, just kept moving on, didn't want to really talk about it. So, yeah, it's just self-inflicted wounds. You know, you're, you're putting guys, you're icing guys like Steven Santini and Matthew Olivier and, you know, Austin Watson, you know, on purpose and wondering what's going on. So I, I definitely understand where that's coming from. Yeah, and um, here's one of the last few questions I'll ask you because uh, we've been going on for right. a bit and I know you have better things to do. But – uh, is is there a is there a hot seat for Peter Laviolette right now? Uh, yeah, I would think so. I think um, the Nashville media is is trying to temper it and has been trying to temper it. I think for a, a year or two. Uh, I think last year I could see the a lot of the arguments against saying you know hey this has been the most head, head successful head coach in history. You're a year or two years away from a you know, President's Trophy, three years away from from appearance in the Stanley Cup Finals. But we know what the uh, Laviolette curve looks like uh, we've seen it in two other teams it, it starts off pretty good and then it drops and then that's where we're at and it's just, a lot of these things are scheme things and the prime example is um, Nashville they very famously had the league worst power play last year and time after time all throughout the season they wouldn't change much the same coaches you know, they tried a couple of different things personnel things but just wasn't working again dump and chase team 
taking point shots. It wasn't working. This season, finally, in the offseason, they hired Dan Lambert um, as a special teams coach, and all of a sudden, the power play is a top 10 unit. Um, they're, they're, doing, they're not taking point shots. They're, going, they're generating a lot of low to high shots with, with Matt Duchesne playing bumper position. And so if that's not a clear indication of what bringing a new coach in and a new system in, can do for a team, I mean, I don't know what else is. Um, and we're, we're seeing it. It's, again, like I said, I could be, the, the, the game charts I make after every game, I'm getting to the point where I could copy and paste them, and I'm not sure anybody would notice because it's the same thing, game in, game out. And it's, you know, this is a team with, with Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne and Mikel Granlund, uh, you know, Craig Smith, Roten Johansson. You've got the best defensive core probably, I would say, in the league. I mean, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis, despite all this, are having probably the best season of any defensive pair in the league. And if they weren't both on the same team, they'd probably be higher up on the Norse, you know, conversation. So this team has talent and shouldn't be playing like this and shouldn't have been really playing like they did last year. And so, yeah, I would say that there's, it's getting hotter. I don't know that Poyle will do it, but yeah, it should be hotter than it is. Yeah. And like I said, I feel like our teams have similar problems. They're just flipped for us. It's the, it's the defense lighting the offense down and, uh, for the Preds, it's the offense line, the defense down. Right. And, uh, I'll, I'll close with asking you this question. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable with it because of your fandom, that's fine. Do you have a, <laughs> do you have a personal favorite Jets player, like a, like a Jets player you like to watch that you feel okay with admitting that you like watching them? Oh, I, I love watching Line A. I mean, I know he's a, he's a piece of famine type guy, but I mean, he's just got that shot. I mean, it's, it's something else to, to watch and he's, He's one of those guys that, you know, I, I've secretly hoped that, that, that he wouldn't get re-signed this season, so maybe I could cheer, on, cheer him on a little bit more in public. But he's just one of those guys. He's like Nathan McKinnon. Um, I just love to watch. He's really fun to watch and uh, when he's not scoring on you, at least. But, he's yeah, he's probably by far, hands down, my favorite uh, Winnipeg player. Same question to you, though, for Nashville. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm always uh, – you know, when it comes to Nashville, it's always about the defense. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big fan of Philip Forsberg. That's Just, a good answer. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, to me, it's still comical that Nashville ended up with him in the first place. Yeah. But you know, Philip Forsberg is just the kind of player that team needs. You know, just you know, it's always been about the defense there and then the goaltending. But you know, you just plug in that one guy with the electric shot and you know, suddenly a, a game that the Jets or the Predators have been hanging on to by a thread all of a sudden it's, it's two points for the Predators and, you know, the crowd's mm-hmm. on their feet and that place is, that place just explodes. So to me, yeah, yeah, Bill Forsberg just that been guy. The, he's been the MVP this season, even being injured. He's come back again to get the team leading goals. But, I mean, he's just he's, – he's way better defensively than I initially thought. And I wrote a story on that a couple of weeks ago um, showing that he, he performed pretty much on the, on a similar level to – some of the guys who finished top five in, in selfie voting last year. And um, again, you see him doing things like turning Sam Gerrard inside out in the playoffs a couple of years back um, with, you know, putting it between both their legs and scoring the goal. I mean, he's got that, but again, he's also not been, he's been a 30 goal or uh, 30 goal scorer, never gotten to 40. The team's never had a 40 goal scorer. And I think, honestly, I think Philip Forsberg suffers because of the system. Um, he should be a guy that should be, a superstar in the NHL. He should be those guys that are mentioned in the elite, but he plays in a system where it's a lot of 
dump and chase and a lot of point shot you know, based things. And so usually when he has a breakout game, it's because he's decided that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over this and I'm going to take this game over myself and carry it 200 feet and score the goal. So he does deserve better. There's a lot of players. Pecorini is another one that deserves a lot better than what this team's given them. Yeah. And okay. I promise this is the last question, but whenever um, my brother and I were previewing a game, um, we ask ourselves uh, who is this team's uh, grit for 60 champion. And that, that is a very ironic title. Um, our mm-hmm. podcast name is a joke that it started out as an inside joke between my brother and I, and we just, when we decided to do a podcast, it was like, okay, this is what we name it after. So no, to us, a, a, a grit for 60 champion is a guy who is, who's just, to us, he's not very good, but he's a guy, the, the quote, hockey men love, you know, he's big, kills penalties, he's a veteran presence, uh, you know, like that sort of deal. Like to me, like, um, the embodiment of that last year to me was a guy like Pat Maroon for mm-hmm. the Blues. You know, that sort of player. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be like a guy who's going to drop the gloves, but it's it's the kind of like, – like a Brian Boyle, you know? Like a Boyle. Maybe – how about uh, Bufflin? Would he fall, fall into that? I mean, he's big and physical, but he's also recognized by everybody as a good player. He has, he has too much skill to me to be a grit per 60 champion. Okay. All right. Um. So to you, who is the Predators' crit per 60 champion? Whew. So normally I would have said Nick Bonino. Um, he's one of those guys that the hockey guys, hockey men love, um, but really was not really showing much. He's a good defender, great penalty killer, but not much else. This year, though, he's come off and become a goal scorer, and he's just continued to shoot plus 20%. But I think now, I think especially in Nashville, it's Rocco Grimaldi. And it's, it, it kills me because it's, it's just hilarious to me because he's a guy that was basically a career AHL guy last year that got a call, call up midseason. Like I, and what I said before, he's 5'7", probably, you know, 170 pounds tops, um, really fast skater. And just, you know, he's that hustle guy. You know, he's the one that on, on TV, they're like, man, he's really going after pucks. He's really doing it. Yeah, he is. But he's also losing it shortly after. Or he's slamming into the boards because he can't stop. Um, <laughs> He's, and, uh, and he's not scoring a ton. He's uh, uh, Benny Rodriguez in, in the Mighty Ducks. He has the jet. Yes, that is a perfect comparison. Yes, that is a perfect comparison. I don't remember his actual character's name. I just remember it's, it's Benny from Sandlot. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. it's funny. I knew exactly what you meant, too. Yeah. All right, <laughs> but Brian. But yeah, I'd say Rocco Grimaldi. All right, Brian, where can they, where can they find you? Um, so you can find me at uh, ProjPat Summit. That's P-R-O-J-P-A-T-S-U-M-M-I-T-T um, on Twitter. You can find me on the four check. Um, and yeah, you'll see me tweeting, you know, relentlessly during games. So you can, if you choose to follow me, just know that that's going to happen. You're going to get a whole lot of national content. But I've, uh, I've also tried to jump around and do, do cover a few games for some other, other teams. I've done a few San Jose games for, for our sister site there and, uh, I'm keeping a close eye. If I can get some, get around to getting to see more Winnipeg games, I'd like to take a better look at them because again, I, I like watching Line A, and it's mainly mainly just for uh, selfish reasons. But uh, I appreciate you bringing me on here. It's, it's been really fun, actually. Yeah, um, you know, I was shooting for thirty and it turns into forty. You know, it's always it's always good to get some new people on here, and uh, yeah, we've <laughs> had we've had some good times here. But um, so this has been the Grit for Sixty podcast. You can find us. Um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Grit for 60 Pod. Uh, you can find 
our podcasts on Spotify and iTunes whenever I get around to uploading them. But uh, usually they go up on the Hockey Podcast Network's page first. So check out their uh, SoundCloud and Spotify and pretty much wherever else you can find podcasts. Uh, check out those pages uh, for them. Um, but anyway, thank you all for getting this far and uh, have a good one. Thank you for uh, listening. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.